You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 32 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Man, we have got a great episode for you today, and I'm excited because, like we've joked about in previous episodes, we are moving away from the verses of Genesis 6, 1 through 4 that we've come so familiar with, and we're moving into new territory, and um, it looks like rain. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, because we're, ta- we're moving into the flood. We're setting the stage for the flood, a story that I'm sure you're all familiar with. And But before we get started, as always, I want to remind you, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, if you're on Spotify, follow us. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Whatever platform you are, make sure that you're following us and getting updates every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode of the podcast. Um, it's because of you guys that the audience is growing and our, uh, our reach is getting farther and farther. And like we talked about a couple episodes ago, you know, we're, we're playing with the big boys now like we're we're up there getting recommended with you know uh naked bible podcast and bible project and all that and i have a feeling pretty soon uh heiser will be calling us oh i don't know i was gonna say like i I feel like if if we get to a certain point that like like the rap battles back in the 90s you know like east coast west coast at some point we start throwing shade on one another and like if heiser calls us not gonna say hey congrats guys it's gonna be like let me tell you how you misrepresent my views. <laughs> Please stop uh, talking about me on the podcast. Do not mention me again. This is a restraining order digitally. Um, yeah, well, and we uh, we respect Dr. Heiser. We agree with him on some things and disagree on others. Mm. Well, that's good because part of what we're talking about today is different takes on common commonly read scripture. Mm. Would that, would that be fair to say? How dare you, sir? I just got segways back. <laughs> I well, just got segways back. I know, right? Right after I told you, you could, you would always have those. I come by and take. You it even off put it in that pre-episode matter about the crownless shall be king, and then here you are yanking it off of my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess you could say that you regretted ever giving. Oh. It to Don't him. do it now. Now he's layering <laughs> yeah, the segway. It's good. Yeah, um, you're you're grieved in your heart. Yes, <laughs> I'm gradually I'm gradually being phased out. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> well, it's been a fun ride, guys. I, I appreciate you. Uh, next 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 week, it's going to be Pastor Lee in my chair, <laughs> <laughs> or Ricky Young. Well, Ricky Young would do a good job. No, no, there's only one Nathan. But um, we're, we're making references to the uh, we're making reference to the scripture, the text. So why don't we go ahead and read that before we go any farther? Yes. Um, I, I will read today. Where are uh, we today? Genesis. We are in Genesis 6, 5 through 8. Can it be three verses in one episode? We'll find four, out. Four. Yeah. Or four. Episode <laughs> one. All right, here we go. This is Genesis 6, uh, 5 through 8, as always, from the ESV. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. 
So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Hmm. And can I just say, I'm getting deja vu here because I'm seeing this list, this familiar list, uh, man, animals, creeping things, and birds of the heavens. Yeah, getting back. Last time we saw... Yeah, last time we saw that was in creation, but that time it was good. Right. And now it's, I will blot mm. them out. That's, that's a great catch. That's a great, that's a great catch. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you said it. What was the word that kept coming up in creation? It was good. Uh, uh, tov mio, is that? Was yeah, that tov, 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 tov mio by the end of it. Exceedingly good. And then the whole uh, crux of creation going the wrong way was mankind indulging in a type of knowledge that he was never intended for, the knowledge of good and evil. Evil, And now by Genesis 6, look what's happened. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts, the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. So it's gone from good to good and evil to only evil. Look at how, you know, again, sometimes people read, um, Genesis three and and you know, the take is man, God really overreacted there. All they did was cheat on their diet, and then you get to Genesis four and brother kills brother, and you're like, well that escalated. And then you get to Genesis six, and mankind's thoughts are only evil all the day long. Um, that's uh, some some Genesis uh, Genesis one through eleven is such a compact, compressed narrative, but it's capturing something seismic. That has shifted, and and again, you said creation imagery. Uh, in creation, God speaks, and then God sees that it's good. Here, He sees. Uh, he sees that it's only evil, and so He speaks, not a word of creation, but a word of condemnation or destruction. Right. That yeah, and I think in a broader yeah. sense, when we look at Genesis chapter six, verses five through eight, if. If I'm honest, just thinking about my own use of the scripture and just how I've heard so many use it through the years, honestly, so much of it is used as proof text for something we want to say about God. And in fact, it reminds me a little bit of the A.W. Tozer quote. I'm sure you've heard it before. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because Mm. when we think about God, like what we think about him, that's that's who we're going to see here. And if you think God is a moral monster, you're you're going to see that here. You know, if if you think God is distant and uninvolved, you're you're going to see that here. And then maybe there could be some other things as well. But let's not read this as a proof text though. Let's just read this as a text. This is this as is the next part this of the is story. The next part of the story. And the reason I'm saying proof text is that a, a couple. No, that's a that's a huge observation for this. Passage. Yeah, and on more than one front. Yes, yes, and we do don't want to spend a whole lot of time in verse number five. The emphasis is is that the world was really bad. This is <laughs> this is. I mean, only. I, I love that we've given we've given sagas of episodes to a single verse before. All we're gonna say about five. The world was really. That's bad. right. It was In fact, bad. Nathan, walk us through the Hebrew real quick there, uh, just to, so we can know that just how bad the world was. Livo, rak, ra, kol, hayom. Uh, his heart 
Only evil all the day. Common That's goodness it. has lapsed. This is like at no point everybody's like, hey, I'll pull your trash can back to your house for you today. No, it's like, hey, look, uh, you know, your trash can is mine. I own you. You're going to do whatever I say. This, there's, there's no neighborliness any, anymore. It's gone. It's lapsed. And if, if the pseudepigraphal writings are be to, to be believed, you had not just idolatry, but much violence, rape, cannibalism, all kinds of terrible, terrible things. Yeah, and, and in those, uh, again, one of the questions that gets asked, Matt, is, okay, if mankind's doing all the sinning, why not just wipe out people? Um, in other words, why not, why, why, why not a plague or something instead of a flood? Um, and in, it's precisely in those extra biblical traditions, they talk about how the sons of God going in, going in with the daughters of men, the Nephilim, giants, whatever you want to call them, that progeny ends up corrupting not only mankind, but all of creation, right. uh, including the, animals. the other living things. The animals. Yeah. So you're, um, what you're saying here is, is that we could even be seeing a hint of that when, like as Gandalf was saying a few minutes ago, like the whole animals and creeping things, that it's just like, listen, we, we need a reset here because a lot of corruption has taken place. Is that what you're saying? Well, and, and, and I, yeah, I like uh, Gandalf was so, so smart. Um, I'm just saying that so he doesn't edit it out what I say. Um, <laughs> good, smart he, move. <laughs> he was so smart to tie this back to creation. I, 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 this is early in the podcast that we're going to. Um, but we talked about one of the ways that the biblical creation account is distinguished from those other creation accounts is in all those other cre- creation accounts, you have the primordial waters, right? And everything comes from cosmic, uh, chaotic conflict and the raging of the waters. But in the biblical account, God in the very beginning is over the waters and brings intimacy and order to his creation by separating them, right? And once God starts separating waters and and making stuff, it's good. What What if God's judgment on creation in the flood, again, where do the waters come from? Do they just come from above, or do they also come from... The wind is above, and the, the yeah. wind is below. What if God takes his Fountains hand... Below. What if God is taking his hand off of a creation that's already let go of him? Mm. In other words, this is the God who separates the water. What's the form of judgment? God letting the, God letting the waters go. He's taking his order, his intimacy... Uh, all, I mean, again, that's that's a roundabout way of saying it, but he, he's re, he's releasing his stamp as creator and lord over this thing to a thing that's rejected him in that capacity, right? right? Yeah, because um, because when he's creator and lord, things are good, right? Right. Um, Gandalf, does that make sense the way I describe that? Yeah, absolutely. In other words, God is lord. Water separated, dry ground. No one's drowning. God rejected his lord. God takes his hand off of it, and the waters rage and consume stuff. Right. Well, it goes back to the, all that that water imagery polemic that we talked about That's it. early right. on. And by the way, don't, don't miss the way that God will redeem water imagery on the other side of this. Uh, the New Testament picks up on this so many places, and so does the Old Testament. After this, uh, God never uses waters as a symbol of judgment again. That's the whole Genesis 9 rainbow thing. But also waters take on a redemptive thing. So waters become... The separation of the waters, there it is, marks the exodus from Egypt, right? Oh. Um, when the people come into the promised land, mm-hmm. the Jordan River's waters allow them to go through on dry ground. When Elijah hands over the mantle of prophecy to Elisha, Second Kings 2, the waters part. Um, 
when people put their faith in Jesus, what happens? Right. They pass through the... Waters of baptism. There it is. I mean, it, it happens so many times. First Peter uh, 3 picks up on that and 4. You know what's funny um, about this, though, is that we're talking about God, you know, releasing his hand of order on the creation and allow it to collapse into decreation, allowing it to become uncreated, so to speak. We're talking about that and we're like, oh, yeah, 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 we got it. We got it. We got it. Yeah, we're cool. And like that is all straightforward to us. It's like, yeah, we can conceive of a God that why he would do that because of it was only evil continually. The irony is the most human part about this passage is where the major struggle is on how to explain it. Like the divine stuff, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. God would do that. But it's verse six when it says God regretted that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. By the way, I immediately identify with that statement as a human being. Why? Because I do stuff all the time. I regret and I, you know, I feel sad about it later. Not me. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) But, but when you're talking about God, Ooh, we just ran into God doesn't make mistakes. Wait, what is it? What do you mean? God had to change his mind or, did he change his mind or maybe he didn't? Well, regretting is kind of like being, uh, was he wrong? Like this reminds, this reminds me of an argument that my brother and I had, you know, every time things devolve uh, at, at home uh, between siblings, you know, you say the worst possible thing to each other. My, my brother was not uh, planned. I guess he was a souvenir. I don't know what to call it. Um, but uh, when he and I would argue as children, I would say, Ben, you were an accident. Mom and Dad didn't even want you. And I got that as the last word so many times. And then one day my brother said, Nathan, after you, who would want another child? <laughs> oh, that's a good comment. Mom and, Mom and Dad are grieved that they had you. <laughs> that's funny. I, I cry in the shower, but I'm okay. <laughs> but it, it runs into, we cannot fully unpack the complexity that is found here. There, no, and I, 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 yeah, I get what you're, what you're laying down. Um, Matt's bumping up against. Um, <laughs> there's stuff so much nerdier than what we talk about uh, in theology and classical theism. Um, t- two of the main tenets about who and what God is is that God is impassable, um, which means that God uh, doesn't feel pain. Uh, like you think of the word passion, like the passion of the Christ, right? Uh, so divine impassibility means that God is incapable of suffering or feeling pain. And another big tenet is divine immutability, that God is unchangeable. He does not change over time. Um, and so if I were listening to this podcast as a theologian proper, I would push back on Matt and say, hey, be careful how you read Genesis 6-6 there, Pastor. Uh, because I know that God is impassable and immutable. So be very careful how you navigate uh, God regretting anything or grieving anything. And what we're saying is we're, 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 we, <laughs> we certainly can't parse all that out in the context of a 30-minute podcast episode. You think we took a long time with Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Volumes upon volumes have been written on the attributes of God. Um, What we're saying is we don't want to read the system so heavily on top of the story that we don't take the story as God gave it to us, right? Right. We want to experience this in real time. And again, how far have things come or how far have things gone if God has gone from good, 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 very good to 
only evil in his heart all the day long. And, and, and that's what I love, the language of heart. No, notice in the text, when he was man's heart, yeah. Yeah, heart, heart for mankind is only evil continually. And when, man, when man's heart is only evil continually, God's heart is filled with grief. Mm. Um, mm. And if that complicates your theological system... <laughs> Man, just wrestle with that. <laughs> that's 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 a big statement. How how does God feel about human sin? Again, it, it's interesting to me, Matt, because so often people don't read this passage in context. Like this is what, like you said, whatever we want to be believe about God, we'll find in this passage. Because a lot of people use this passage and say, "There's proof. God's angry. God's waiting to zap us with lightning." Right? Uh, you know, God God is cruel. He's 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 interested in genocide. But you don't get any type of perverse delight attributed to God in this passage. You don't even get anger attributed to him. And Gandalf, as you've talked in previous episodes, as you've continually brought up the polemic of being reminded that the polemic here against the stories of the other flood stories of the surrounding nations uh, is just remembering that the, those gods caused the flood to happen because humans were annoying and noisy. And that is, oh, I mean, I, yeah, I immediately think of like the Epic of Gilgamesh, right? Right, where you know the god, the gods basically treating humanity like a pet that's gone out of hand, and they're just like, man, let's let's flush this goldfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So funny, not funny, yeah. uh, because the goldfish can swim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, so can I can I just say that uh, I, I'm all for the polemic reading um, in the past. Um, those, you know, the, the pagan accounts seem very petty with the gods wanting to wipe everything out because humans were too noisy. But now I have two sons. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, Maybe and they've, they've entered that. into that. Yeah, they've, they've entered into that delightful stage where they deliberately antagonize each mm. other and the noise and, and the antagonism just escalates. Mm. And, I, and I think to myself, don't touch that faucet, Nathan. Yes. So, <laughs> Nathan's I'm turning into the I'm Grinch totally with Whoville right so, now. Uh, to right. kind of like, you know, head towards the, the runway on this issue, when we think about these two things, like how can God be reacting to humanity and yet be immutable? That if God can't change, and there's mystery on how this all fits together, I think, most Christians would believe God's character does not change uh, and that God is going to continue to be the one whom he has always been. He, he is faithful and he cannot deny himself. Uh, most Christians, As James says, there is no shadow of turning in that's him. That's right. That's right. And that him, greatest thy faithful. Amen. Amen to that. But so how do you how do you deal with those things? And can I just say I'm not fully decided on how all of that works. There, let me say, uh, there is beauty in the story, but also when it comes to the idea of an unchanging God, and even the transcend transcendence of uh, impassable God, there is beauty in that theological systematic point both of those like I, I i feel like i want to celebrate both sides even though i can see a potential conflict with this particular part of the text and some systematic point um and it it just uh it reminds me of another part of genesis where jacob actually 
highlights two things about God that seem to contradict each other. And it's in Genesis 49 when he's giving the blessing over his sons and he's talking to to Joseph. So if I ever have if I ever have 12 kids and I'm 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 at death's door then I'll be able to understand this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when he's talking and he's giving a blessing halfway through the verse verse 24 he says by the mighty or excuse me by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob from there is the shepherd the stone of Israel now this is also very eastern you know these are middle eastern ancient near eastern uh people that that wrote this under the inspiration of the holy spirit and they don't think like we think when they talk about god they don't say you know immutable omnipresent you know you know uh omnibenevolent they're not using those kinds of words they're talking in different ways picture images picture images and what he says here is from there is the shepherd the stone of israel and what's interesting to me is the two things that are emphasized one is the shepherd who is very much involved with sheep <laughs> and very much moves around and is found everywhere and then you've got also this imagery of a stone immovable constant strong vast all of these things and both which seem to be like for instance if i said hey nathan hey gandalf why don't you describe to me a shepherd neither of you would say well it's kind of like a stone like <laughs> you would not say that or hey describe for me a stone well it's kind of like a shepherd you know no these are two ways that the same god is described so what i want to emphasize here is that Genesis 6, verse 5, and these other verses, and verse number 6, it tells me from the story side, God is in this thing. God didn't just start this story. He is in this story. And so much so mm. that the writers of Scripture are leading us to think about how he even feels about his creation right now at this moment. And how all that works together, I don't know. But the shepherd is there, even though the shepherd is still the stone. Like everything that was true about God from before time began is still true about God. But he's in this story. He is the shepherd. So I, that's, and, and that's the beauty. Yeah, I, I, I love I love that because earlier when you asked how do I navigate this, I'm like, well, I'm not scandalous topics, man, oh. so I'm going <laughs> to let you do it anyway. Um, um, but you kind of captured my my thought on this. Uh, by the way, I love shepherd and the stone. When we get to New Testament, Jesus will be the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Um, and he will be called the cornerstone, right, upon which uh, the church is built. Uh, I love that. Um, so great, uh, great verse uh, that captures images of God's involvement in creation and with creation. Um, sometimes I do want to push back a little. I have, you know, I affirm uh Theologians, uh, theologians who are so much smarter and more sophisticated and, and so much more precise in their language than I can hope to be. Um, but a, a lot of times when you when you hear pushback against the type of things you're trying to capture about this passage, it's almost 
it almost reduces the feel of, of the passage in real time. In, in other words, you'll say, yes, it says God nakamed, whether that's changed his mind, repented, relented, consoled himself. That word has pretty broad uses. Um, yes, it says that God was grieved. Um, but they'll say that's that's accommodation. That's anthropomorphic language so that the inscrutable ways of God can be slightly more intelligible to the you know feeble brains of, of human folk. Um, and I, I certainly I certainly get what they're saying. God's ways and his thoughts are so far above ours. We, we can only scratch the surface of what he reveals, right? Um, but at the same time, it, the text, to your point, what you're capturing is the text is not only capturing the distance that God is willing to travel to engage our minds. It's also capturing, and I know this is super preachy, but it's it's capturing the distance that God is willing to travel to engage our hearts. This this is this is not a God who is apathetic about what He has made. It deep the text says it deeply grieves Him that things have gone from good to evil, um, and and I think we have to, however we extrapolate the data for our theological systems when we have it its entirety. I think we do a disservice to the text if we don't experience that language in real time as we're reading the story. Matt, you had a great point on this before we started recording uh, the iPhone illustration. I would love if you close with that. Oh, when you're talking about things about God, like there, it, there is a simplicity to God, and but it's simplicity on the side of complex. <laughs> simplicity is our side. Complexity is God's side. Like there's so much about God that we're never going to understand. Uh, and it's not just the so much that we're never going to understand. We don't even know we don't understand it. <laughs> it's just a complexity at a whole yeah, whole nother the, level. The, the beauty of it the beauty of ignorance is you don't even know what you don't even know. <laughs> exactly. And so it's to me kind of like the iPhone. iPhones used to have that one button on the front. Now they don't even have buttons. You know, you do is just, you know, touch the screen, stuff like that. And with that, there is a simplicity to it. However, as intuitive and simple as it is, if you were to pull that iPhone apart and open up the inside and see all the circuits and battery and all the... That's going to that's gonna avoid the war. Exactly. Anything <laughs> you thought about the iPhone being simple would be gone. And... When we're talking about God, the stuff that is simple is what's been revealed to us because God wants us to know it. And God's essence is not complex. There's not a bunch of contradictions in God. But how it all fits together in the the, the divine mystery of who he is, is the, is the complex side of that simplicity that I don't have to worry about because that's on his side, not mine. So any, just about anyone can work an iPhone, but very few people understand how an iPhone works. Unless you're Gandalf. Unless you're Gandalf. <laughs> so I know enough to know that I don't know. <laughs> so that's good. Indeed. And it's okay. It's and okay to not know how it all fits together. Because uh, at the end of the day, the reason theologians are still writing about this stuff is because there's a mystery to it. Of the making of books, there is no end. There you go. That's in the Bible. 
so. Well, with that, we, that's 30 minutes and we're out of time. But just like the iPhone, next week we'll have a new one for you. <laughs> and we'll Cut. see you there. From the only person on this podcast who doesn't use an iPhone. <laughs> that's, that's right. Don't out me, Nathan. Oh, sorry. Um, Apple, if you're listening, two-thirds of us do. Okay. Well, and, and then right here, uh, here's a reminder to future Gandalf. Put a, put a sound effect of, like, rain coming down. <laughs> we'll get to it next week. <laughs> that's good. Uh, you guys have, have a great week, and we'll see you there next right. episode. See you. Bye. Shalom. <laughs>